I hope everyone had a good afternoon. We're in the book of John tonight. I'm not going to read all of these verses, 628 through uh, the end of the chapter here, but I do want to read a few. And we're going to talk about, um, are you a fan or a follower? couple of revivals ago we had a guy Roger Roller here and I remember one of his messages he asked that question are you a fan or a follower are you there just when it's easy to cheer or are you there all the time aren't we grateful that God's not there just when it's convenient for him that he's with us through the thick and the thin when everybody else walks out God doesn't that's beautiful to know. Anyway, uh, turn John chapter 6. Let's start at verse 27, and I'm just going to read through verse 40 of John chapter 6. Although we'll be referring to that whole passage down. It's 25 the end. So stand in God's honor. Thank you. As I read. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the man in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall... Lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that this is recorded in Scripture, where there were fans and followers, a lot more fans. Fickle fans. Father, may we examine ourselves as we think about the difference. Who are we? Are we willing to follow you, Lord? No one can answer those questions except ourselves, Lord. So I just pray that you just speak to our hearts. Thank you for your word. In Christ's name we pray. The Moors, a couple, and they had two young kids. They moved to a new town and um, came into a church family. And 
Mr. Moore decided he'd play church softball. And only problem was Mr. Moore was not a good athlete. And so he goes to the plate, first time at bat. Here comes the first pitch. He swings, and I mean he swings way up here. And you could just hear the people in the stands kind of gasp. <gasps> Except for one voice. It's okay, Mr. Moore. So then he swings again. This time he swings way down here. Almost like a golf swing and misses the ball. <gasps> You'll get it next time, Mr. Moore. Then it comes the third time. Not even close. He strikes out. You can hear the, oh, no. But the one voice out there said, Mr. Moore, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And after the game, family got in the car. They're headed home. Son, the one voice I heard in the stands, was that you? Uh, yeah, Dad, that was me. Just one question. Why didn't you say, don't worry about it, Dad. You'll get it next time, Dad. Why did you say Mr. Moore? He said, well, maybe your son, but I didn't want anybody to know I was related to you. That's a fan, not a follower. And as as we translate that to the church, um, there's a difference between coming and, and looking around and, and worrying about what's going on and, and how we're viewed and how others see us. And do people think that, that I'm a good citizen or or you know I'm a nice guy or or I must really have it together because I showed up here in church to worship. Is is that why I'm here? Or rather is my attention rather than just a mere fan, a follower of, of God, I'm here because I intend to follow you. I'm here because I want to express to you my love, my dedication. And I understand that you didn't have to die for me. W.E. Sangster uh, was a pastor in a church, and he talked about there was a community choir that was formed. And so many showed up that one of the ladies who sang in the choir of his church, they couldn't stand on the main platform to be seen. Everybody couldn't stay up there because there just wasn't enough room. And so some of the people had to come down to a lower level where they couldn't be so easily seen. Well, she was one of those who couldn't stand up there on the level to be seen by everybody. And she got angry, hurt her feelings. Not only did she leave and not sing for God in that community event, she was mad inside. She wouldn't go back to church because she was not able to stand on that main platform. See, that's an example of, a, a of, of a, one that's not a follower, one that's a fan. There are times in life where we simply don't get our way. There are times where it doesn't work out like I would prefer, but my call is not to always get my way. My call is to go his way. She should have been like that prophecy in Isaiah 53 that says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. And there are times we'd be well-suited um, not to open our mouth when we're upset. Let's look in John chapter 6 here. Going down near the end of the ch chapter. Uh, verse 66. From this time many of his disciples 
turn back and no longer followed him. What happened? You see, there was this great crowd and they had come to follow Jesus because they heard that he was healing the sick. They heard that he was meeting the needs of the broken. And, and, and so a few days before this incident, there were so many that came to get close to Jesus. The crowds numbered. It said that there were 5,000. There are many scholars that said that was just the men, 5,000 men. But there were also many women and children. And who knows, you know, probably double. 10,000 were there at that time. And there were so many. And they were hungry. And you remember, Jesus got his disciples together. And he said, hey, we need to collect some food so we can feed these people. They're hungry. Well, they found this little boy, you remember, you know, some bread and a few fish. How How is this going to work? Philip asked, you know, no way we can feed all these people. You remember what happened? That, that, that little bit of fish and little bit of bread, when Jesus blessed it, it multiplied. And what was so cool was not only were the 10,000 fed, they were full, full bellies. Because when God blesses, it's a good blessing. And not only were their bellies full, but it said that there were 12 basketfuls left over. God not only provided to meet the need, He overabundantly met the need. That's the blessings of God. But here's the tragedy. The people came to see Jesus. But then once they were fed, it was like, Okay, Jesus, we're back for another meal. We love the buffet. What are we going to eat today? We are looking for a miracle. We're looking for you to do something that's unexplainable to bless me. You see, the issue was not, Jesus, I've come to follow you. The issue was, Jesus, what are you going to do today for me? How are you going to meet my need? How are you going to bless me? How are you going to work in my life? We all sing the wonderful song, Where He Leads Listen to the, the, the chorus, you know it. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. Uh, one guy said, uh, it's more honest for many of us in church to sing it this way. I'll go with you till the summer and the ball games and vacations. And the camp outs get in the way. I'll go with you till winter and I have to spend my three months in Florida or Texas or, or wherever I really don't want to get involved in serving him. I'll go with you till life's a bummer and I don't feel like getting out of bed or people have mistreated me or I don't feel God has answered my prayers the way I want. If not, I'll say so long, so long, all the way. You see, fans give up. And they walk away. Um, if you've been to sporting events, I'm, or many of them, I'm sure you've seen the occasion where a team's home team's getting blasted. It's not even close. About halftime, people leave early. So they can, you know, miss the traffic. So they can leave. Our call is not to just leave when it gets inconvenient, when it's not easy. When things are not going to convenience us, that's a fan. It's not a follower. You see, fans come for the ritual. 
fans come because I like it that way. It suits me. I'm going to come in order for me to be pleased and to be comfortable. Where a follower comes, not for the ritual, but to experience Jesus. To be honest and say, God, I need you in my heart. I need more of you, not more of me. I don't want to come just to go through the motions. I want to come to see the master. And that's a big difference. And that doesn't happen unless God shows up in his power. And too often, hey, I'm guilty of this too. Too often we settle just to show up instead of seeking God to show up. And there is a difference. Not that we shouldn't be here, but our our longing and passion and desire is that we'll meet him. Fans, you know, have the spiritual words. Talk about how hard they serve and what they sacrifice. But followers, they know those words of Jesus where he said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, it'll live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. You say, what? You know, why in the world? Eating flesh, you know, cannibalism, is that what he's talking about? Is, you know, literal cannibalism? To eat of the flesh. So many turned away, so many walked away, you know, when they heard those words. Jesus goes on, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. You have no life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Now, there's another time where Jesus used some allegory where he said, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And I'm not an advocate saying that. Man, we'd all be a sore sight. We'd be maimed for sure because of how we are. Jesus wasn't making a literal appeal to cut off hands and pluck out eyes. But he was saying, if this keeps you from walking close with me, man, there needs to be an examination. You need, to, you need to come to grips with this and be honest about it. And say, God, what do I need to let loose of so that you can grab hold of me with a better grip? Because I'm holding so tight to something else. And in, in this case, it's, it's not so much of you know cannibalism, you're eating my blood. But he's saying, I am the life. You know, another place that I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Hey, the answer is found not in a philosophy, it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I am the center of what matters. Eternity is based on me. Jesus Christ. That you know that, that is literally what it means to feed upon Christ. As we come here and our desire is, is to look at his word, it's it's God, fill my soul. You know, spiritually nurture me, nourish me because I'm starved. Because I need what only you can provide. That's what makes the difference. It's one thing to come to church, see a performance. 
Some churches are well-oiled machines in the way they are able to produce beautiful music, um, sermons that you know are eloquent. And I'm not saying that's that's good, but it's not enough. We need God. Only God can change lives, and only God can change hearts. That doesn't mean we don't strive for excellence. It just means we realize we need more. More than the excellence we can provide. We need the Holy Spirit to literally fall upon us and to change us. Um, Let's go back to John 6, verse 42. Or let me start 41. It says, At this the Jews began to grumble about him. Because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? They began to grumble. They were missing the point. They were caught up in what they knew of the old covenant where God provided manna and provided a bread to nourish and feed the people day after day. But Jesus was saying, I am the bread of life. I am that daily nourishment that God wants to provide to feed you and to give you the nourishment that's needed to have a healthy relationship with the living God. And, and, you know, that's that's the ultimate point that he is trying to make there. And these people, they're grumbling. They're calling him a liar. And that's what fans do. There's a discontent that's spread in their lives and throughout those who know them and all they seem to care about is justifying themselves and, and, and they just aren't aware that they need Jesus and that God's people um, need him. difference between fans and followers. Followers are willing to suffer. Followers are willing to keep their trap shut at certain times and open it at other times where it's not comfortable as well. <laughs> followers, when everyone else walks out stops and says, Lord, keep me close. Otherwise, they would walk out too. Look down at um, 66 as we get near the end of the chapter. Let me start 65. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Before I go on, I want to make this is very clear. Man, we are called to share the gospel. But you and I do not have the power to save anybody. I remember, I'm sure I've shared this story, but when I was in high school, there was a friend of mine I had tried to talk to. And uh, matter of fact, last I heard, he's still, man, he's a wino in my hometown. He just never got it together. So sad. But I decided I was going to, his name's Sammy. I decided I was going to argue that rascal into the kingdom of God. So we got in a shouting match. Boy, that really won him over. I'm being very sarcastic, obviously. You don't argue people into heaven. If I can convince you into it, somebody else can convince you out of it. The truth of the matter is, that's, a, that's God stuff, man. God is the one, and that's where prayer is so critical. God, change my heart. Change other people's heart. God, 
you got to save people. you got to draw them to you. And, and that's what he's saying here in 65. He says, unless the Father draws you, unless he's enabling, you can't come. You can't come unless that happens first. In verse 66, we see that there are many who had not been enabled by the Father, had not heard the call. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The fans headed out the exits. They didn't stay. Wow, look what happens next. Uh, Jesus turned to the twelve. You do not want to leave too, do you? Now this doesn't seem like a popular way to build a real ministry to me. We're going to build a church building and we need some people to give some money. You 12 are left. You want to leave too? <laughs> Look what happens. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, that's a follower. There's nowhere else to go. Jesus is it. He is the one to follow. He is the one to trust. Uh, where He leads me, I'll follow. Where He leads me, I'll follow. Where He leads me, I'll follow. I'll go with Him. With Him all the way. Remember what Jesus said? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and be my fan. No, follow me, right? Years ago, one Chicago youth minister planned a spring break mission trip to Florida. He began to worry about the beautiful beaches in Florida. Man, are these teenagers really going to be focused on mission work? Or their mind's going to be everywhere else. And so as he prayed about it, the youth minister came up with an idea. He took some lumber and uh, he nailed together a crude cross. And he was able to somehow slide into the middle of the bus where all those teenagers sat. And as they began to leave for Florida from Chicago, he said to the group, he said, guys... We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to bear the cross and to be his disciples. So everywhere we go, we need to carry this cross with us and take this cross with us. And you could hear the teenagers, oh, man, really? And, and so, you know, they went in the restaurant. They had several teenagers. They're carrying the cross into the restaurant. They're all embarrassed. Oh, you know, this is crazy. And then they sit down to eat with a cross. They make it to the motel. They carry the cross in the motel. You know, and the cross is with them. They go to the beach and they place the cross in the sand and they enjoy the water and they share the gospel. But nearby, it's always the cross. Everywhere they went on that trip. And at first, the cross was something to be ashamed of. Man, look at this big old ugly hunk of wood. This cross that we've got to lug around. But after a while, they began to identify with the cross. And the cross took on a special value. And it began to get the point. They began to fight over who's going to carry the cross. 
to the next place. Until it came time to come home and they took that cross and they proudly put it on the bus with them and headed back. Fifteen years later, the youth minister got a phone call from one of his youth that had gone on that trip and said, I just wanted to tell you. He said, I'm an accountant now and love my work. Sometimes I lose sight of what life's really about. I remember that last night when we were on that retreat in Florida. You had us come up and we, we had written out a, a sin that plagued us, that really struggled with. And, and you had given us a nail and you came up and said, nail this to the cross. And then, then you, you burnt those pieces of paper and they were gone, you know. All that was left there were the nails on the cross. And then you took the nails out and gave each of us a nail. He said, I just want you to know that in my office drawer, I still have that nail. And all these years later, when I'm down or depressed or I kind of lose my way, I take out that nail and I remember that trip. And I remember that I'm called to carry the cross. You know, you and I don't carry a literal cross around everywhere we go. But we're called to carry the cross. We're called to carry the gospel. We're called to be more than mere fans. We're called to be followers. Let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. You are the bread of life. There is nowhere else to find sustenance that is lasting. You alone, Jesus. As your word says in Acts 4.12, For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Father, may we not forget the cross and the beauty of the cross and that we are called to carry the cross. That others may see that beauty comes through a sacrifice. Father, thank you for that message. And may we examine our hearts to see where we are on that playing field of fan or follower. Call us to you. We all have our problems, no doubt about it. But I know that you're bigger than any of that. (laughs) And we worship you as we think of the altar here, a place to pray or coming forward. We're just doing business with you right where we are. Fix our eyes upon you, upon the cross. Remind us we're forgiven and stir us to go to others that haven't figured it out yet, that need to hear your voice. And for whatever reason, you've chosen to send out a bunch of inadequate (laughs) servants to carry the message in the cross. Thank you, Father. It's not up to us. We're just messenger boys and girls. But there's power in the cross. Foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved. It is the power of God. May you work, O Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.